0: chapter 5, as we're continuing our sequential exposition of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' sermon there, the most famous sermon, uh, I'm sure, in the world. Matthew chapter 5, this morning we'll focus our attention on verses 31 and 32. For the word of God from the lips of the Son of God to the people of God this morning for our edition. For strengthening, for correction, uh, conviction, for all the things that God wants to work in our life together as we uh, share in his truth. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 31. Regulating marriage and divorce. Marriage is God's creation. And he has the sole right to determine how it functions. Therefore, he has established commandments to govern matrimony. The Jews of, of Jesus' day did not apply the divorce standards that God had given. Rather, they jettisoned jettison them by misinterpreting them and misapplying them. People today do so in a similar manner. Uh, there is, for example, no fault divorce, same sex marriage, which is not marriage at all but is legalized sodomy. All other evils, such as polygamy. In fact, there are people advocating polygamy as an alternative to biblical marriage. Polyamory. You perhaps not have heard of that term, polyamory. A group of adults who consent uh, together to sexual relations with one another. It has been reported as well that the 21st century has seen rates of extramarital sex and cohabitation rates rise to a level not experienced in previous generations. Whether during our Lord's time or our own time, these realities are an expression of the fallen heart of man. Man is rebelling against God and the corrupt, corrupt heart of men rebel against divine regulation of marriage at this point in his sermon Jesus segues from the subject of adultery in the heart to the subject of marriage and divorce because unjustified divorce leads to adultery our Lord then gives instruction he begins in verse 31 and we'll call it the accommodation The accommodation. Let me read the verses. It was said, Whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. In verse 32, but I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. We're going to have to unpack these verses, aren't we? in the first verse 31 under the title or the heading the accommodation our lord provides a free summary of deuteronomy chapter 24 verse 1 he does so because this is a part of the text employed by rabbis and pharisees to accommodate their views and actions regarding marriage and divorce and may i add here that they did what they did because of their lust lust provoked them they saw someone they were lusted after and they altered god's word in order to fulfill their lust what they did the the rabbis and the pharisees and those who followed them they falsely claimed that a man can divorce his wife for any reason at all all he had to do was give her a certificate of divorce matthew 19 verses 3 and verse 7 says as much for them divorce was simply a matter of paperwork fill out the paperwork and send her on her way further behind this view was the perspective of a liberal rabbi the rabbi Hillel Hillel he he lived uh, near the time of our Lord Jesus he was a liberal rabbi liberal in terms of theology in the Bible Rabbi Hillel said uh, that a man could divorce his wife for the most trivial reasons. Hillel was not uh, alone in this thinking. The Mishnah, a collection of oral tradition regarding Jewish law, provided a litany of trivial reasons for which a marriage could be dissolved. For example, if she was barren, If she became deaf If she had warts Leprosy Poor posture A pug nose A big nose A too little nose It doesn't stop there An overbite Well She has an underbite She's bowlegged And this is a funny one She's ambidextrous Then it turned to uh, domestic issues, what goes on in the home. The Mishnah list, if she failed to make the beds, grind the flour. And the list goes on and on. But then here's one, and you wouldn't be surprised to hear this one, if he found someone prettier. Now, of course, none of these things are acceptable. None of these things are biblical. All of those things are really reasons why men seek to evade their responsibility, their marriage, to get out of it. And so they produced a list of foolish reasons to write a certificate of divorce. None of it was acceptable. God, none of it was a grounds, none of them were a grounds for divorce. Just give her a certificate of divorce and send her on her way so they twisted scripture they misinterpreted deuteronomy 24 to achieve their marital outcomes and all of this was going on in the time of our lord jesus it's going on going on before that and in this sermon jesus deals with it head on well the question is there should be in our thinking then what does deuteronomy 24 verses one through four teach about marriage and divorce since uh, we've already indicated that what they did was twist that passage of scripture they misapplied that passage of scripture we need to know then what is the right interpretation of that text and since we need to know that let's look at it Deuteronomy chapter 24 and see what the Lord intended and why this is here why Moses penned these words and. um Pentateuch and Deuteronomy this last book of the Pentateuch the five books of the law the Torah writing under the inspiration direction of the Holy Spirit this is not his thinking this is what God wanted Deuteronomy 24 1 through 4 those are the verses that we'll look at and we'll just take a little out of each of those verses uh, and, and imply them first thing I want you to understand is the passage that we're looking at here in Deuteronomy um, neither commands nor condones divorce rather it regulates an existing practice among the Jews further the passage as you'll see it's unfolding Uh, it also shows how improper divorce leads to adultery let me uh, give you a second reason The certificate of divorce did not make the divorce right, but only provided a measure of protection for the divorced woman. The certificate showed that she was legally free to remarry. It removed the stigma of being put away from her home by a man who refused to continue the marriage. There's another reason why uh, this text here in Jesus tells us in Matthew 19, 18, 19, 8. It was a concession to the hardness of hearts. See, from the beginning, it was one man, one woman, and it was to be a permanent bond. It was never to be separated. But because of the hardness of of men's hearts, God conceded and permitted men to divorce. Let me add this, too. You need to grasp this reality about divorce, though. It's uh, treated casually, in our culture is treated casually by many people in our world t- today. God has never changed his attitude about it. In Malachi 2.16, he unequivocally declares, I hate divorce let's now let's look at this passage Let's, uh, as I promised a moment ago unpack it and see what it's saying to us when a man verse 1 marries a man takes a wife and marries her and it happens that sh- she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house and she leaves his house and goes and becomes another man's wife let's just stop there at verse 2 this is going to continue on verse 4 but let's um, look at it here for a moment in verse 1 there's that word indecency and we need to know what that word means indecency literally the Hebrew is the nakedness of a thing and the same hebrew word is rendered in a different form of course because of the sentence the way it's used in deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 14 just look there for a brief moment and we'll see how that same hebrew word is used in deuteronomy 23 and verse 14 it says there since the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and to defeat your enemies before you therefore your camp must be holy and he must not see anything indecent among you or he will turn away from you see there's the word indecent you see it now what is he talking about here in verse 14 I want you to know what is he talking about in terms of indecency back in verse 13 just the verse above it look what it says and you shall have a spade among your tools and it shall be when you sit down outside you shall dig with it and shall turn to cover up your excrement ah now you know the excrement was the indecent thing The context then is covering excrement in Israel's camps during their days in the wilderness it was a matter of purity God's in the camp and he wanted there to be an expression of purity in them it was also a matter of privacy and intimacy now as we go back to uh, verse 1 of Deuteronomy 24 that word indec- indecency. There is an issue of that which is private and that which is impure. The word indecency was an euphemism for the sexual organs, the improper uncovering of the private parts. The word, you recall, means the nakedness of a thing. Eugene Merrill tells us to uncover the private parts is shameful and improper beha- behavior unbecoming to a woman and an embarrassment to her husband though this occurred the behavior stopped short of adultery we conclude it doesn't include adultery because the penalty in the Old Testament for adultery was death deuteronomy twenty-two, twenty-two, and leviticus chapter 20 verse 10 and when she did that that was the case that indecency was there he could write her certificate of divorce and put it in her hands now the certificate of divorce literally it means a writing of cutting off she was cut off and sent away. He placed her in a hand, and she had to be removed from the premises. She, it was a sin, symbolic witness to the to um, the fact that there was a dissolution of the relationship. She was driven from the family and from her home. And there was economic loss that came to the woman. She had this certificate mentioned earlier. It um, with that certificate in her hand it demonstrated that she was legally divorced and free to remarry so she leaves his house i read it a moment ago verse two and becomes another man's wife but look what happens verse three and if the latter husband turns against her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of the house or if the latter husband dies who took her to be his wife verse 4 then her former husband who sent her away is not allowed to take her again to be his wife since she has been defiled let's stop there the second husband divorces her or dies the original husband cannot take her back she was defiled why? Because she was disqualified because of the adultery that occurred because of the second marriage. God disallowed it. He couldn't have her back. Adultery, you see, would be multiplied. But this is what the rabbis taught. God found that thing an abomination for that is an abomination before the Lord and you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance. All of this you notice no command of divorce is regulating the practice thereof and God had placed restrictions. Let me give you a couple of applications. It is important to keep several things in mind when handling God's word. First a wrong interpretation of the word will inevitably lead to wrong practice. When we don't interpret God's word properly, and then we will misapply it and our practice will not be what God intends. Second, misinterpreting and misapplying scripture deprives it of its authority. Because you're not really getting what God has said therefore it's it's important to get the correct meaning of scripture right Amen. john macarthur states it's a famous statement of his and you need to have it the meaning of the scripture is the scripture it's right the meaning of the scripture is the scripture you see what he means by that if you don't have the meaning of the scripture you don't have what god has really said if you have the wrong interpretation, if you wrongly apply, uh, apply it, then you're off base. If you don't really know what God has said about that, because you misinterpret it, you do not know what God has said. The rabbis and Pharisees did not have the scripture, but they twisted the scripture. They twisted his true intent. They did it to accommodate their sinfulness, their sinful lifestyle. And Deuteronomy 24, is was to regulate how divorce was to be done. And they were saying, no, what it means is you can just divorce her for whatever reason you want. Remember that commercial that went something like this for 29 39 $59? Chuck that turkey, unload that turkey, divorce that turkey. That's the mindset these people had. It's an ungodly mindset. Go back with me, if you will, to uh, Matthew. Man couldn't divorce him. 24 says, couldn't just divorce her for any reason. God permitted a case of a, a, case of a, a nakedness of the thing. Verse 32, but I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity. Here comes the correction. Verse 32 of Matthew 5. Jesus says, but I say to you. He begins this authoritative pronouncement that shows the rabbis, the Mishnah, the Pharisees are wrong. A man can't divorce his wife for any reason. Misinterpreting and misimplying the word of God leads to sin. Here's the so-called exception clause. The only ground Jesus offers that allows for divorce. Unchastity. What does unchastity mean? It translates the Greek word porneia which in English is often rendered as fornication it's illicit sexual intercourse this word pernea has a broad range of meaning let me give you that range it includes adultery but also includes related sexual sins such as incest homosexuality, prostitution, molestation or indecent exposure this is the ground for divorce Jesus says when this occurs, when there is unchastity, when there is pornea, when there's illicit sexual intercourse, then there can be divorce. Why is this the case? Why is this the ground for divorce? Because marriage is a one flesh union. When people marry, two lives are fused together into one. Marriage is a physical, spiritual, and social union of one man and one woman. It's not to be broken. Remember, in Matthew 19:6, Jesus told those inquiries who came to him with this very idea: "Can a man divorce his wife for anything?" And he said, "No, no, no. You can't do that." Here's the deal: Let no man separate what God has joined together. Let no man separate. Matthew 19:6. So one flesh union two become one. Lives are blended together. God sees them as one. God is the one because he created marriage. He arranged it to be this way. Every marriage then no matter a believer or unbeliever they become one in God's eyes. Bis- marriage therefore is not a business relationship. So one flesh union. The closest most intimate union on the planet now infidelity or unchastity illicit sexual intercourse is the one condition uh, the one exception that is allowed by God Jesus pronounced it here because it does not cause adultery why? why? because when there has been unchastity or illicit sexual intercourse by one of the parties the marriage bond has already therefore been broken but do not think that this condition signals that God is eager for a divorce to occur <laughs> this is not a command but a concession some people think oh good What took you so long? Now I can get rid of you. No. It's not a command. It's a concession. What God would prefer is that there is forgiveness and the the marriage stays intact. Divorce is a legal acknowledgement that a permanent union had already been ruptured. God's ideal was there'd be one man, one woman forever, right? Amen. But we live in a world that is corrupted by sin, the fall, right? Amen. And the, the man's corruption, the fall, affects the most intimate of relationships. And that includes marriage. Hmm. Now, look at the, this verse, verse 32 if a man divorces his wife um, and is not for unchastity notice the text it says makes her commit adultery whoa we need to understand what that means don't we the reason it's Jesus says this is because the divorced wife it is assumed she will remarry the remarriage is adultery in God's eyes why because she's still married to her original husband because if there was no uh, unchastity or parnea or sexual sin uh, that marriage is not over as far as God is concerned still married in God's eyes what it says makes her commit adultery she will remarry. Um, it says commits adultery. That's present tense, isn't it? Some people, oh, so what have I done that? And is it a perpetual adulterous relationship? Oh, I'm going to come to your rescue. Though it's in our English Bible as present tense, which it is in the Greek, but it's not a particular present tense. It is not a continuous one. It is what the, the Greeks call, the Greek grammarians call anomic presence. What that means, present, what that means is it's an abiding principle. Anytime there is a marriage initially perpetually is a You follow me? Once the marriage is consummated, it's done. boy let me tell you something sin complicates things doesn't it and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery why because that woman was not properly divorced because it was on biblical grounds so the guy comes along and marries her he's in adultery too along with her if there aren't biblical grounds Now it says here in verse 32, <laughs> it's the woman. It's the focus of attention. The question might be asked well, what about the man? I'm glad you asked. Go with me to Mark 10. Mark 10 verse 11 here's stark terms Jesus puts it and he said to them whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her so there it is so a uh, ceremony whether it's before a preacher a JP or some private citizen go to Las Vegas whatever you do if it isn't according to divine standards then the marriage is an adulterous one in the beginning that's what the text teaches the marriage can't make that right man commits adultery against his wife when he chucks her and takes another woman Mark 10 12 what about the woman and if she herself divorces her husband and marries another man she is committing adultery Now, let's explain some. The exception clause is not found in these two verses. That's that's okay. Um, Marcus writing to a Roman audience, and so that's why he apparently left that out. But that doesn't matter really, because the fact of it is, we interpret these verses in light of what Jesus said about the same subject in the original text, Matthew chapter five, verse thirty-two. Right? You always interpret the more clear verse. That speaks about the same thing, less clearly in another text, interpreted by the clearer text. Now, that's the reality of these, this situation. Isn't that different from anything you hear in the world? When you see people uh, in the world, what they do, they get rid of their wives and go and get a new one and third one, and oftentimes you hear about people who are in the in the in the news who are stars they have serial wives all of that it's adultery sinful that's what Jesus has to say about this so one should not enter into a marriage unbiblically here at our church where we do always question a person I ask them what if they've been married previously I want to know how did that marriage terminate I want to know because if they don't have biblical grounds we cannot unite them in marriage let me uh, conclude here Jesus is uh, teaching in the Sermon on the Mount right and he's talking about (laughs) righteousness that surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees He's talking about righteousness that comes from the inside. And this is an expression of real righteousness, how a man treats his wife and vice versa in his kingdom with respect to divorce. The heart has been changed. If you're in the kingdom of God, you've been transformed by Christ's grace, right? Right? the transformation wrought by Christ in the heart of the disciple of Christ is expressed in the institution of marriage. And so, if your heart's been changed, you will relate differently (laughs) in this relationship than you did prior to knowing Christ. In this discussion of Jesus' teaching on divorce, Chrysostom commented, Chrysostom was the golden mouth. He was a fourth century preacher, a tremendous preacher back in, in those days. He said this: quote, "For he that is meek and a peacemaker and poor in spirit and merciful, how shall he cast out his wife? He that is used to reconcile others, how shall he be at variance with her that is his own?" end of quote well what happens if you fail <laughs> you need some good news don't you I'll tell you what happens when you fail whenever you commit a sin what do you do confess. right and repent yes you confess your sin and, and what does God do yes divorce is not the unpardonable sin <laughs> thank God so, what a person does is when they recognize, whoa, this was wrong. This violated God's will. This violated his standard. What, one, what does one do? You recognize it, confess it before God. This was wrong. This was sinful, and ask for forgiveness. And then I'm going to tell you something God can bless your life thereafter. Can't he? Amen. But that's the standard. Secondly, person who's a Christian, you want to meet the standard, don't you? You want to live a righteous life you want to take Jesus' words to heart and say this is how I want to live in this most intimate relationship because I want to glorify and honor God I'm hungry and thirsting for righteousness and it's expressed itself in marriage it should it's how you handle it it's how you see it thirdly (laughs) don't look to the world for direction look to the word of God this subject right the world will always lead you astray. A look to the Word of God will will lead you right. Let's bow together in prayer. Our God and our Father, we thank you for the, your truth. We thank you for uh, the gift of marriage, first and foremost. How you blessed men with this means of uh, flourishing and joy we also know men have failed we thank you for your word which gives direction to sinners and to saints and we pray that our convictions will be deep in terms of how this most intimate relationship is to be uh, managed and exhibited and lived out in the life of those who follow Christ who name his name we pray you strengthen the homes in this fellowship May the uh, the truths that uh, we've looked at just further solidify the relationships of husband and wives, and may the succeeding generations who come along after them hear and see what your standard is. And by your grace and the Spirit of God at work through your Word, help them to follow you in this world as dark as casting off your your Word and your rule that hates your authority. May we submit to your authority with delight and joy, aided in the process by the work of the Spirit in our hearts, ever cleansing, ever making us holy. These things we pray in the glorious name of Christ. Amen. Amen. You're here this morning, you're not a child of God. That's the worst sin there is. Unbelief on the Lord Jesus Christ. Unbelief rebellion against god is source of all the other sins that come and we invite you to give your life to jesus christ you're here this morning you haven't trusted him as savior and lord you're in a precarious situation you could die at any moment you don't know when you will leave this planet you don't know what may happen to you this memorial day weekend or what will happen to you uh next week none of us know but one thing we do know is that we're going to die so you want to die the right way you want to die saved right You want to die knowing Christ so if you don't know Christ you need to come to know him and we're going to give you the opportunity to respond to the gospel the gospel the good news the best news ever announced in the world Jesus Christ died for sinners he bore their sin he endured the wrath of God in their behalf he was buried in a grave because he was dead and he was raised his third day and he was alive forevermore that is good news and if a person will come to him they can receive forgiveness and eternal life there is no better news than that right none no better news than that that's the gospel good news glad tidings so if you've not come to faith in christ you have not taken uh, advantage of this good news have it applied to your own heart by faith we invite you to do that today how we do that we have two people standing here as you can see a man and a woman if you're a man come to the man if you're a woman come to the woman and they will talk with you what, about what it means to be a child of God. They'll take you through the scripture, explain it to you, help you understand what it means to transfer your hope and trust and your life over to Jesus Christ to follow him all the days of your life. You will come. All right, let me another category. If you're here and you're a Christian already, you know you're saved, you, you've been born again, you're a certain of that, but you need a church home, you do the same, follow the same procedure, come to these. If you're a woman, come to the woman. If you're a man, come to the man. They'll talk with you about that as well as we do here we'll stand in a moment and while we're standing i'm gonna pray a brief prayer of dismissal after that has been uttered our members will be dismissed and but you can come you want christ you want to be saved you want to know how to be a christian you come you just come down here to that man or that woman depending on your gender and they'll help you or you want to join this church same thing just come wow the members are doing whatever they're doing in here and out there you just make your way down you have a mission you come into them you come let's stand together please as we leave this place today Lord we always uh, depend upon you to keep us in your care protect us for we we know you're the Lord of heaven and earth and no events can come to us apart from you we petition you to exercise your sovereign authority in keeping us safe as we go to our homes and may we uh, be as we do mindful of who you are with praise and gratitude for who we are because of the grace of christ in the name of christ we pray amen